You're listening to a Broadmoor Podcast production. In today's message, we continue our series through the book of Philippians as Pastor Josh Brady preaches from chapter 1, verses 12 through 18, where Paul talks about advancing the gospel. As we hear God's word, we pray that we will continue to be shaped more into the image of Jesus. Well, good morning, church. How are we? Great. If you have your copy of God's Word, would you open to Philippians chapter 1? Philippians 1 is going to be where we are today. If you are in your Following Jesus Bible, kids, uh, that is page 1274. Uh, And so as we jump in today, as you were finding your way there, I don't want to miss an opportunity to give God thanks and to tell you thank you for an incredible community fest last week. We uh, had an opportunity to minister to, to, we we can't even count how many people who were not a part of a typical Sunday at Broadmoor that had a chance to to not only come and and hear the good news of Jesus Christ, but to to interact with with you and, and potentially all the gospel conversations that took place. Uh, in and around the, the tables that you, you sat at or the booths that you uh, oversaw if you were volunteering or if you were wrangling kids uh, in, in that fun chaos that, that would be. Uh, all that to say, we, we prayed. We prayed for weeks leading up to this event and God was gracious and faithful to us. Even with the weather, it was absolutely gorgeous on that day. And so here's what we would love to do this morning. If we could just spend a few seconds, few moments in prayer, thank Thanking God for a great last Sunday. Uh, And so if you would, if you would bow your head with me right now, I'm going to give a few moments of silence and then I'm going to ask a blessing uh, and good God thanks over what he has done for us. Father, we do thank you for the opportunity that we have each and every week to gather in this place. It is a beautiful, wonderful place to gather. Thank you for air conditioning. Thank you for cushioned seats. Thank you for safe spaces. Father, I thank you for all that we have here on this campus. But Lord, I am so thankful for what you allowed us to take part of last Sunday at Community Fest. Not as we were at Liberty Park, God, we prayed that the weather would, would, would cooperate so we could continue to advance the gospel here in the city of Madison. And God, you were so gracious to us to give us beautiful weather. God, you were so gracious to us to, to put it on people's hearts that, that have never come to Broadmoor before, but because a friend asked them to, or because they saw fun jumps being set up, or, or just the, the, the ruckus of the, the day, they, they decided to come and to see what it was about. God, I pray that the seeds that were planted would continue to grow. Father, I thank you for the faithful brothers and sisters who gathered last week in that park. God, I thank you, Lord, for for their faithfulness, God, their faithfulness to to love and to serve this community, Lord. We are already thankful, God, for all the work you've allowed us to do here in the city. But God, we are asking you, and your word tells us that that if you ask, if, if we ask, that you will give the nations to us. And so, Father, we ask that you give us this city that you would give us this county, that you would give us this state. God, we pray that you would give us this place for your glory. Use us, we pray. God, even now as we open your word and we see how this is, this is made manifest in our daily life, God, I pray that our hearts would be tuned in. And God, our response would be complete and total surrender to your lordship. Oh, Jesus, we love you. And it's in your name that we pray and all God's people said, amen. 
Well, friends and family, as we are journeying through this gospel uh, letter today, we, we, we look at Philippians, we see that it is the Apostle Paul writing from jail, from, from prison, uh, that he has been in for quite some time. And he is writing to, to encourage a church that he desperately loves. Now, now, if you were to go back a few Sundays ago, you can go and look at, at the intro to um, this sermon series and see where this all starts way back in Acts uh, and see how it unfolds. But remember, Remember, the reason Paul writes is to encourage a church. He's going to, in this letter, remind them of things that they know. He is also, on this letter, going to instruct them on things that they have not yet heard. But in some ways, he is going to address things that they have heard and are having, a trub- having trouble dealing with in the moment. Now, as we look to this, I want to give a fair warning to you as we, we start, okay? Uh, as I was reading through this this week, as I was preparing for this, uh, this moment to preach, it, it feels like there is a weight that's here. I told this to our staff this morning in our prayer time. I don't believe that what I'm about to share with you is the primary focus or the primary point of the text, but it is certainly clear. And it is certainly something that we are going to to deal with today, but I want to warn you with this, okay? We are going to talk about sometimes God allows our past to be brought back up for the future use of kingdom advancement. And that's whether you want it to be brought up or not. I know a lot of times we will come to a place in our life where we have dealt with a whole lot of things. We have gone to counseling, we've taken medicine, we've had trusted friends that we've shared with, and we have felt like whatever our past was, whatever our experiences were, they were just that in the past. And we believe that God forgives us and God heals us of things in the past, and we look and say, God, here I am, brand new, because you make me that way. Use me for your glory. I'm telling you, sometimes though, God is going to say, I hear you and I'm going to use you, but we're going to take what happened to you and we're going to bring it to the forefront so other people can be blessed by you. So that's where we're going to be today. As we look to this text, I want you to look with me in Philippians chapter 1 verse 12. There is a lot here, okay? Philippians chapter 1 verse 12, and this is the words of the Apostle Paul. I want you to know, brothers... That what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. Now, now Paul's writing this letter from, from Roman jail, or, or, or maybe, maybe you would understand it as house arrest, but it's, it's a pretty long jail sentence right here, okay? And, and, and what he is saying here is, who has, who has ever heard of his ailments? The things from the time that he started this church a decade ago, for those 10 years, a lot of life happens to the Apostle Paul. And evidently, this church, this young church, potentially can begin to feel, what what good is it to serve the Lord if we're going to end up like Paul? What good is it to live out our faith, to preach the gospel unashamedly, if, if all we're going to do is to end up like Paul? Like over the last 10 years, they keep getting these reports of, well, Paul has had this bad thing. Paul has struggled here. Paul is in this shape now. Why would we want to to continue to serve the Lord if that's the kind of life that we can expect? So Paul writes to address many of the things that they have heard and are continuing to hear. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me, all of those things, has really served to advance the gospel. So so the, the perspective that we see here is when he gets to that word, really, the word is written to change their current perspective. Now, current perspective is this for the Apostle Paul. 
He's had short jail stays. He's had long jail stays. He's been caught in riots. He's been falsely accused. He has been beaten within inches and seconds of his final breath. He's had threats on his life. He's been in earthquakes. He's been in shipwrecks. He's been in house arrest. Knowing all of that, the Philippian church had every right to say, you know what? Sounds great, Paul. You keep going. We're going to do something a little bit different. Because that doesn't quite sound like the abundant life that Jesus had planned for me. And so Paul says, what I want you to know, brothers, is all of those things, all of those potentially bad things that you have heard or, or the, the, the struggle and the strife and the suffering that you've heard on my part, I don't want you to see that as a negative. I want you to understand that every one of those things has been used to advance the gospel. Everything that's happened in his life has been used to advance the gospel. Paul says that really, really, what you need to understand, shift in perspective. Paul believed that the hard stuff of his life was all an opportunity to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Do we believe that about us? Now, now again, hear me. I believe what Paul is saying here, what is in view is his life, that as he has preached the gospel, the opposition to the gospel being preached is what he's talking about. But I believe there's so much more to this. It is understanding that God's sovereign hand over his life, everything that he has ever experienced in his life, God has redeemed those things and is now using those things to advance the kingdom. Now, I think on the outset, on on just a general glaze over this text, we can feel like, yeah, well, of course that's right. But then when we make it personal... And we begin to apply this and this understanding to our life. And, and, we're the, and I know we're not the Apostle Paul. But we are all, as, as, if you are a, a follower of Jesus Christ, what you have said to the Lord Jesus is, Lord, here is my life, all of it. The good, the bad, and the ugly. Here it is for you and your glory. And so he has every right, every right, because he owns it, to go into your past and say, I'm going to use that thing. No, no, God, I want you to use the good stuff. You know that stuff I've been practicing? I'm getting really good at public speaking. How about you put me on a stage? I'm getting really good at praying. Why don't you let people hear that? I'm getting really good at singing, God. Don't you want me to sing? Yeah, I want to use that thing that happened when you were a teen. I want to use that thing, that mistake that happened, that you would label a mistake, but I'm telling you, I've redeemed that. It's no longer a mistake. It is an opportunity. It's a, it's a, it's a foundation and a platform to declare the glory of God. I want to use that thing. And I think sometimes we can get a little bit nervous the closer this gets to us. Because what we want in in our modern day, and and I would say it's probably even true for the Philippians. If it wasn't, he wouldn't have written this. We want people to see only the goodness. But what the gospel declares is there is no good apart from Christ in us. And so if we want to act like we have our lives together, all we are doing is putting on a mask that is not real. And so when the church is to gather, we are not to gather as shiny, happy people acting like it is all good, for it is not. The only thing good in us is Christ. And so when we come, we don't come to brag about what we've done. We don't come to celebrate our our shortcomings and our failures, but we do come to celebrate the one who's taken all the broken pieces and put them back together. And so we come and we do We do so with humility and we say, Lord Jesus, here, all of it. Even the stuff I don't even want to remember, God, all of it, it's yours. 
the greatest fears, the most insecure moments of my life, it is, it is yours. Paul says, really, really this has been used to advance the gospel. So as, as you look back on your life, can you say that with the Apostle Paul? But potentially, it feels a lot like this with our current perspective. Everything is, is terrible. When am I going to catch a break? Like, that's generally how, how we kind of process in real time. Paul says it's a little bit different. How can I make much of Christ in this really tough situation? Looking back at your life, what would you need to change today, right now, for you to say, really, this has happened so that the gospel would be advanced? For Paul, it was a right perspective that came from a clear focus on Jesus. The, the, the more he focused on Christ, the more clear the perspective came for him about his life. D.A. Carson said this, we must trust that God is sovereign and that he can and often does advance the gospel through great personal hardships, such as imprisonment or cancer. Our job is to stay faithful, joyful, and Christ-centered through the suffering, confidently trusting in his wise and sovereign will. And as we look in this next verse, verse 13, we're going to see some of the gospel outcomes because of Paul's suffering in right perspective, okay? So look at verse 13 with me. So that it has become known through the whole imperial guard that all the rest... And to all the rest, that my imprisonment is for Christ, all right? So because of his current hardship, the list that we read of the things that happened to Paul, something incredible happens. Now, we we understand, unless you are studying Roman culture, when we think of the imperial guard, when we think of the the praetorian guard, this this is the, the personal and elite soldiers that are dedicated to the emperor. Right? So this would be the group that would be the cream of the crop, they would be the top, they would be the best, and they would be devoted to whoever the emperor is at the moment. And so they would protect primarily three areas, or at least be involved in three areas. The personal life of the emperor, his family, or very, very close confidants, and those who were going to soon stand before him, usually in a sentencing role. And so they want to make sure that, that all of these people are going to be kept at where they should be. So for those who are close, they want to make sure they're safe. For those who they want to keep at a distance from the emperor, they want to make sure that's going to happen as well. Paul was seen as such a threat for his gospel living that the, the imperial guard is now called in to guard him. So remember, he's in Rome. He's close to the emperor. Evidently, the, the sentence that stood before him was to stand before the emperor himself. Paul shared the gospel, the message of Christ, with all of them. It says throughout the whole imperial guard, which is probably, depending on what emperor it was, some some historians would debate somewhere between 1,000 and 10,000 soldiers. Paul took the time over the course of two years and shared the gospel with all of them. They all knew of the gospel. Then it says, and all the rest, anyone else who would sit still long enough and listen. Paul used every second of his hardship to make much of Jesus. All right. Now again, this, this isn't a, a Jesus juke moment, but it is something I think we should soberly consider. Why is it that when we get the slightest, and, and when I say we, I am front and center here, 
Why is it that when we get the slightest inconvenience in our life, do we say, oh, I can't believe this, man, why can't we just catch a break? Anybody ever been been inconvenienced in a grocery store line or is that just me? And you think, man, why do I have to sit around with all these people in their express line? You ever been to a coffee shop and all you wanted was coffee? And then the 42 people in front of you want everything but coffee? Why can't there be? It's a gripe for another day. We are surrounded by people. We say when we wake up in the morning, God, use me. Use me for your glory. Let me be around people. And in the moment God puts you around people, oh, God, why are we here? Paul says, look, I'm telling you, the things that have happened to me, I've seen God's hand, I've seen him move, and I am in jail right now, right now for the advancement of the gospel. It is hard for some of you to understand that, but God has placed me here so that I can preach to these Roman soldiers. I believe that God orders our life in such a way that there are going to be people who in no way or form or fashion would ever darken the door of a Sunday morning service in any church, but because of inconveniences in our life, God is going to put you in their path this week and you have two choices. Make it about you or make it about them. Is it an inconvenience for you or did God sovereignly place you in an appointment that you were supposed to share the good news of Christ with them? That's what Paul is saying here. Paul used every second of his hardship to make much of Jesus. Here's here's maybe an easier question, okay? In the past week, how many times have we talked about Christ to someone? Not in our life group. In the past week, how, how often have we talked about Christ? Not in our life group. How about the last month? crazy to think it is October 1st today. In the last nine months leading up to today, how many gospel conversations have you had outside of the safety of this room or your small group gatherings? God is putting you in places. And so often we think it is an inconvenience, but it's not. It's a sovereign, God-honored appointment. And we can't miss this. This, if we go back to Acts, this is how the gospel uh, spreads. The gospel spreads because they they were being persecuted and they were on the run and they never saw it as an inconvenience. They saw it as an opportunity. Well, I'm in this new city, so I better plant a church. I better tell somebody about the good news of Jesus. So for us, church, look, let, let us not ever get so caught up in our own lives, building our own kingdoms, that we are inconvenienced by something that we didn't plan on, instead of looking at it and say, God, you must have me here for a reason. Who can I bless today? Who can I speak truth to today? Who can I speak life into today? What we need to do is to change our perspective and to clearly focus on Jesus Christ. Instead of our suffering causing us to say, oh, woe is me, I, 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 me, me, me. Today, let's make a change. In everything, let's train our mind on Christ. What effect would this kind of living have? Look at verse 14. And most of the brothers, so he's saying, so we had the the whole imperial guard, the praetorian guard, we had anybody else who would listen, and then he's talking about, so that would be outside the kingdom, this is now inside the kingdom, and most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, so if I weren't in prison, 
If I didn't have the opportunity to be in chains, then the brothers would not be encouraged, is what he's saying. They are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Other Christians have become more confident in their faith. They think, well, Paul is doing it, we can too. Your perspective shift and clear focus becomes their perspective shift and clear focus. They are much more bold to speak the word without fear. This is yet another reason that we need to do life with one another. This is, this is the real life, ironing, iron sharpening iron. Proverbs 27. We, we, we see in these moments that, that what we do has, has grand effects in the people's lives that we do them with. We can advance an earthly agenda or a kingdom one. We're going to advance something. So as the church, as, as, as a church that Paul is encouraging here, I believe that we would, we would fall into this encouragement and we would say, yes, we want to serve the Lord. We wake up every day and say, God, use me. But what we, are, what we are missing many times and what they were missing until Paul brings this correction into their life is don't see a moment of suffering or an inconvenience as anything more or anything less than, than God's sovereign appointment for you. The next time, let, let's just try it. Let's just try it for seven days. See what happens. See how God would use you in ways that you can't even fathom. Many times we pray, God, use me. And you were asking God to send you to a third world country. God, use me. You were asking God to send you to, to somewhere to learn a different language so you can speak to a different group of people. But you would completely not think that potentially God is sending you to Walmart or Kroger. Or God is send, sending you to, to your school or to your office or to wherever it would be. And that's exactly where God is sending you for this. We can't miss this, church. This, this is us being us. E even to that point, like we, I see it as pastor, but I know you see it too. We see this kind of life lived out every time we hold a church event like Community Fest or a mission trip. Everyone is gospel-focused. Everyone is encouraging one another. You wake up and you are bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. This is great. The coffee is there or it's not. Praise God anyway. Tomorrow morning when you go to work, if your coffee pot breaks, you're going to praise God anyway? Look, as, as we see this, this is what we see on the mission trips. This is what we see on the mission field. Everyone views every breath as an opportunity to glorify God. Let something go wrong on a church event or a mission trip and you will hear nothing but encouragement around you. To remember the Lord is sovereign and the Lord is good. Don't let this get you down, brother or sister. God has us here for a reason. What's the difference between church events, mission trips, and everyday life? Perspective change and clear focus on Jesus is the difference. Somehow we think when we sign up to do an event for or with the church, that's somehow different than our Monday through Saturday. Church, they're the same. You're going to work tomorrow is a mission trip. You're going to the store on Tuesday is a church event. It should be understood that every breath that we have while we are on mission should be encouraging and building one another up as we advance the kingdom of God. That's what Paul is helping them to remember, that they, they are... Their moments of struggle is not something that would disqualify them, but it's the very thing that qualifies them.
In the next four verses that we see, Paul is going to shift his and our attention from the past to now the present, okay? So so look with me, if you will, at verse 15. Some indeed preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. So so some of the preachers in Philippi were there to bring attention to themselves. They they envied Paul, and, and they wanted everyone to be saying about them what they were saying about Paul. They wanted to be the biggest and the best and the most sought-after ministry in town. So they preached the gospel, but their motives were not good. So I guess the question now becomes, if we are applying this to our life, what are our motives for living out the Christian faith? Now, you may not be preaching. You may not be, be holding a ministry. But as someone who claims to be a Christian, a Christ follower, you are living out your faith for all to see. And you want people to see your faith. That is a good thing. For when they see you like light shining in the darkness, they glorify your Father who is in heaven. You want that. The question is, why are you doing that? Why do we live the way that we do? Is it, is it goodwill? Is it, is, it because, is it because we love Jesus? Because you believe that living your life this way is the right way to live and it's going to bring God the most glory and it's going to bring the most good to those around you? Or is it envy and rivalry? Here's what that may look like in our culture. You want to be thought of, more of, in our southern church culture. You want to get ahead in your personal endeavors. So if you're a Christian... Or at least if you say you're a Christian, if you put the, the, the Jesus fish on your car, the ichthus, or if, if, you, if you act the part or you're a part of a church membership role, maybe that's going to get you a better job, maybe a better school, maybe that's going to get you ahead in the office, maybe that's going to put you in a better standing in the relationships that you value most. So, so the question that we must wrestle with this morning is, why are we living the lives that we live? And if we are honest, and we absolutely should be, the answer to that question is we are probably living it in both worlds. We do love Jesus with all that we are. And there's still a selfish streak in us. And so the issue here this morning isn't to hide the bad and only show the good. The issue here this morning is we want to take it all and surrender it together to the Lord Jesus Christ. For if we are going to be a united family of faith, we need to praise unitedly and we need to repent and confess unitedly. And so the answer would be for us the same answer it would be for the Philippian church. It is both. We, we struggle with both. Here, here's a test. Maybe, maybe it will help you consider. These are just questions that I write down for me, all right? Opportunities for confession and repentance. What is your reason for doing what you do? Is it, is it for Christ? Is it for yourself? Again, I believe it's probably both. Here, here's maybe a little to, to see the depth of that depravity. Do you find yourself, Christian, constantly comparing yourself to Christ or to others for validation? Like, like when, we, when we look around, do, do, we, do we look to Christ to say, okay, I'm doing this the right way, or do we look at other people and say, well, at least I'm not as bad as they are? Or then when you look at somebody who's maybe doing it a little bit better than you, then you begin to, to take little pot shots at them. If we find ourselves caught up in this carnal way, this is an opportunity for us not to hide 
but to confess. Here's another one, maybe, maybe even a little bit more of the depth of our depravity. When your friends, your, your Christian friends, the friends who are advancing the gospel right alongside you every day, when your friends succeed, what is your response? Are you happy for them? Do you celebrate them? And I know in the moment that you might say, oh yeah, that, that's great, good for you. But deep down inside, are you angry that they got a blessing and you didn't? This, this isn't something to say, oh, it's them. Or this. I'm telling you, this is us. This, this is all of us. This is showing us the depth of our depravity and the great need we have for Christ. When someone else receives praise, how do you respond? Maybe you know them, maybe you don't. Is the first thing, yeah, man, they deserve that. Great job. Or is it, man, if they only knew? I got some things I'd tell them would change that. It shows us who is the center of our heart. If it's Christ, then any of his team that is praised, we are all praised. We are all part of God's glory. But if we are the center and we are not getting the glory, we are going to be angry at that. So what Paul is saying here, there's people preaching the gospel for good and bad reasons, but they're preaching the gospel. What we do, if our motives aren't the best in this season of life, we need to change our perspective and we need a clearer picture of Jesus Christ. To remind ourselves every moment of truth. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 5 says this, for what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as servants for Jesus' sake. That is our life, Christian. We do not proclaim anything else but Jesus Christ as Lord. And so with that, there, there, is, there is complete application for us this morning that I want us wrestling with. What is it that you proclaim with the life that you say belongs to him? This is something we should wrestle with. It's something that the first church wrestled with. Hear me out. We're not the first ones to struggle with this. And the healing is not going to come in just contemplating where we are. The healing is going to come in our response and faithfulness to say, Lord Jesus, we have been wrong. Here is my life again. It's called repentance. Verse 16. The latter do it out of love knowing that I'm put here for the defense of the gospel. So they know that Paul is in prison because of his faithfulness to the gospel and to the kingdom's advancement. But they still preach because they love Christ, because they know the gospel is still worth it. It's worth whatever suffering and hardship that may come with it. Verse 17, the former proclaimed Christ out of selfish ambition. Not sincerely, but thinking to affect me. That's Paul in his imprisonment. What was their selfish ambition. We, we really don't know. What, what did they do? What were their thoughts and actions in their preaching that would afflict Paul? We really don't know. And that's okay because verse 17 is not the point of this text. Verse 18 is the point. Verse 18 says this, what then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed and in that I rejoice. The statement goes back to the very first verse that we read today. This has happened, really happened, to serve, to advance the gospel. 
Paul cared more about Christ's glory than he did the ones even speaking about Christ. This allowed him to maintain a changed perspective and a clear focus on Jesus and the kingdom work. As our worship team comes back up and we move into a time of response, church, when you think back on your life and the things that happened to you, can you see God's hand moving? You see him willing and working for his glory, for your good, and for the good of those that are around you. Maybe this morning you find yourself at odds with that thought. No way, Josh. If you knew what I had been through, if you knew the pain that I'm still in today for what happened decades ago, I am in no way trying to minimize your pain or your experience, but I am telling you that God will not waste your pain or experience. He doesn't just redeem our lives metaphorically. He actually redeems our real breathing lives today and the stories that we hold and the scars that we carry. Sometimes we can look back at literal scars on our body. I can think back at this big scar on my arm and think back to the day that I was playing flag football with my cousins and we fell on a broken bottle. I can think back on a scar on my leg that's about right here when I thought it was a good, good idea to put a chainsaw on my leg and crank it like this as I'm holding the handle down. Not a good idea. But I can look and I can look around and say, oh man, look at all these really poor decisions I've made. I can say, God, that's all been a part of what I've given to you. If you choose to do something with it, great. If you don't, then great, it's yours. And so many times now I look back at my scars and I just see me. For you. Paul went through a lot of stuff. And the Philippian churches, they're going to go through a lot of stuff. What he's helping them understand is that stuff isn't something to be hidden. It's actually something to be surrendered. What is it in your life that you have hidden away for so long because you didn't want anybody to know? You didn't want God to know. And anytime you think about it, anytime your brain even starts trending in that direction, you get all kind of thoughts and and, and feelings and experiences experiences in your body and you don't even know what to do with it. What I'm telling you today is there is a way for health and healing. I'm not telling you that this is magic when we pray. I'm not telling you that it's all going to be over, but I'm telling you that God redeems not metaphorically. He redeems really. Everything that has ever happened to you, God can take it and use it for good. question is, will you surrender it to him? Right here, right now, today. As we look for opportunities to rejoice in gospel advancement this week, don't forget that those gospel advancements may just come from the hard things in your life. So as we move into this invitation time together, this altar will be open and I pray that you will see it as just that, an altar. 
You'll have ministers down front who would love to pray with you. You have brothers and sisters around you that know part of your story and you may need just to grab their hand and say, pray with me right now. Come to the front and pray with me right now because here, here's what's gonna happen for the church. Paul starts with this so he can say as he moves forward through this letter, glory to Christ. Because if we can surrender everything up front, there's nothing that the enemy can put back in our mind and say, you can't tell that. The great accuser has no more weapons to use against you. For you've taken it all and you've surrendered it to Christ. So again, I don't know your stories, but I know we all have them. I don't know your scars, but I know we all bear them. The offer to you today is to find freedom. To come and say, Lord, I am yours, all of me. What really has happened to me has been used to advance the gospel. Would we say that about our whole life? Would you pray with me? Father, we love you and we thank you for our time today in song and giving and the word. We pray now as we move into this response. We know, Father, that you are working in our life. Holy Spirit, that you are always at work in us. For the believer in the room, that you continue to cultivate us. For the seeds that are continually planted in our lives, that grow for your faithful watch care over us. Holy Spirit, you also bring conviction. You bring repentance. And you bring freedom. So, Father, I pray for the men and women across this room who are holding a story, who are hiding scars, who are potentially facing something that that maybe they never thought they would face again. But, God, I pray that you would give them freedom and release today, that their response would be, God, here I am, all of me. I surrender it to you. Help us to rightly respond to your will and your word today. Oh, Jesus, we love you, and it's in your name that we pray, and we now stand and respond, church. Would you stand with me?